From the backwoods and the swamp waters of the Sunshine State and all across America and the world, this is the Big and Wild Outdoors. Flashbacks. Whatever happened to the pumpkins? Uh, they're still touring, but not like anything big. I think they're doing Rockville in Daytona this in May. I'm having flashbacks to Channel Zero Club Detroit. <laughs> Those were the days. Where man. I'm standing there going, dude, don't give her another drink of that or I might throw you both out. Seriously. <laughs> I remember those hippie days ch- well, Hippie chicks friend. in overalls over there with this song just kind of grooving out over in the dark under the strobe light. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. It's the Big and Wild Outdoors, hour number three. <laughs> Brayden Gunn, Vince Noble. Bill George is back, and uh, Slick is hanging out with you on this Saturday morning. <clears throat> we appreciate you getting up and hanging out with us today. Uh, we have to say congratulations to our good buddy, the Cuban redneck, uh, Carlos uh, Lopez, who has discovered a new toy to play with. I know that he's mentioned it several times on the show that he was getting excited and uh, he was getting all giggity-giggity about uh, getting his new blowgun. And uh, he wants to use it for uh, going down to do some uh, uh, nuisance iguana removals. Let's just put it that way. But, of course, he's been mesmerized by the videos on YouTube of the gentleman who invented this particular uh, air-powered device. And uh, he's been doing some fishing with it where he goes out, blowguns a a fish of species, and then it's attached to a reel and rod, and then you reel it in. Uh, I got a video yesterday. I'm sure we all did. Did you get the video? I got it, yesterday. We all got, we the all video. got it at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> we all got the video of Carlos's uh, his taking of a tilapia, and uh, he was extremely excited about it. He, he got one. It was a pass-through, so he put all of his lung power into it and got it in and got it through. But the thing that got me about the video is I had to text back. I said, dude, that was a good shot. But, good Lord, it takes you 30 minutes to reel the thing in, man. Well. The thing is, he turned around, and there's a place not far from his house. He used to bowfish for tilapia there until he got run off and told he's not allowed to bowfish in in that particular area. And he, he, he wants – it's close to the house. So he turned around. He succumbed to using a blowgun because, you know, he doesn't want any trouble with the law. And uh, so it's kind of like a huh. It's a payback fishing yeah. trip. Yeah. I, Take I, that. Take I don't that. have a bow. I don't have a bow. Yeah, so you whack him with the... Take that, Polk County Parks Commission. Take <laughs> cat, FWC. Well, I don't know why they would give him any kind of a hassle if he's out there removing tilapia and placostomus and everything else off the bottom. Seriously. Because people will complain about anything. You know that. Well, you might that shoot is somebody... When you're aiming down in the water, some snorkeler is going it to come by. And... Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that no, vertical, they, they that vertical no shaft. Uh, I just, I know that we we spoke about the um, last week about the 
the uh, black vultures in there were going to do away. If they tried the fireworks and all that stuff, they were going to give it a week or so. So we should find out sometime this Where week. Where the if black vultures are? West Chase. Uh, you know, they're roosting all over roofs and everywhere else, and yeah. now they've descended upon there. And so the USDA, of course, is going to try and um, scare them off with some fireworks, which, of course, as Vince just pointed out, Somebody's going to complain about that every time because now you're chasing off not them, but the natural birds as well that, you know, the other birds that I guess they like to look at. So if this doesn't work out, I know you've been in a cave, Bill George, but they're going to do the first suggestion that everybody always tells you. You shoot a few of them and you hang them there and you leave them on the ground and you hang them in effigy and they will leave the premises you they will not come back shoot a vulture yes they're they're the you, u.s department of agriculture is going to go out if the fireworks yes. don't work and they are going to shoot a bunch of these but that's well, a that's a government i entity. have a problem we why don't do they it? go out to buzzard beach where they will rip and eat the car rubber right out from your car when you park your <laughs> truck at the boat ramp. How do you really feel, Bill? Hold on. take. Now, Man, which ones are these? Are these the black vultures or are these uh, the turkeys, you know, the redhead vultures? Which ones are you referring to? Because the redhead ones are not the same as the black vultures. They will take live prey. Black vultures will kill uh, a yearling fawn. We remember we did the story out of, of around your neck of the woods up in Michigan, Pennsylvania, where these farmers during calving season, that's what the USDA told them to do. Go out, shoot a couple of them, hang them in the trees, and they will vacate the premises. They will not come back. They will be like, dude, they got Bill. They got Bernie. We're out of here. But that's out in the middle of kind of nowhere. This is West Chase. So is West Chase. No, have you been to West Chase lately? When was the last time you were there? You got to understand, what did they do when they built West Chase? What did they they have to mandatorily put into the neighborhoods? Water. Conservation areas. Yeah. So if you didn't have conservation areas, you wouldn't have what? You wouldn't have the vultures. You wouldn't have black vultures there Listen. nesting and uh, resting in, in cypress trees. Is it going to be against the deed restrictions to hang <laughs> exactly. a vulture? No, not if the but, USDA uh, is doing uh, it. You can't hire, fly an American flag. Can you fly a vulture? <laughs> if the USDA <laughs> says so, I guess that you can. Bill, really? I, I guess <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Just, you know. Yeah, well, the, that's their plan. And, of course, there are a lot of people that are upset about that plan as well. Because it's West Chase. No, because, as Bill George just pointed out, it's the mentality of, well, what if those shots kill a child? What if they miss and they kill somebody with that gun? All right, hold on. Let's, let's flip the script, though. If you're living in that neighborhood, right, and let's say you're not the hunter, Braden, that you, you are, would you want people shooting guns around your kids? Yes or no? It's a yes or no question. If I didn't know anything about anything... If I didn't know, and right. I had you're not no Braden, idea. you are not Braden Gunn, the radio guy hunter. You if are not I was Braden some Gunn. guy who moved here from uh, downtown West Philadelphia, right. yes or no? The first thing I would probably do is go, "Why are you shooting those things, and why is that? Do I have to worry about that kind of stuff?" And when they come back and they go, "No, we're using duck or turkey loads out of a shotgun, which only carry about maybe 60, 70 yards at tops." <laughs> And they disperse, and they're not going to injure anybody unless it falls on your ball cap somewhere. Wild animals been in wild places. They're, what are they? Do, what harm are they doing? They're pooping. And apparently, they're <laughs> doing that on other people's roofs. And so, doing it so the peacocks right here in, in, on Twenty Second Avenue and Forty Ninth Street. Yeah, and usually traffic takes care of a few of those every year, so they keep the numbers down. Whereas in West Chase, 
Don't you remember, Bill George, back in the day when uh, the Black Vultures took over the tower in downtown Tampa? Did you see anybody? Oh, they were on the buildings in Tampa. Oh, yeah. Did you see anybody complaining about removing them then? Did you I hear anybody screaming and yelling? I didn't see anybody trying to go kill vultures and hang them from. Yeah, it's not like the apocalypse where you have hanging vultures everywhere. You got to understand that back then when they did those kinds of dirty deeds, done dirt cheap, they weren't. They didn't get covered by News Channel 8. They didn't have the uh, Eagle 8 flying over going, look at the, I'm reporting now of dead carcasses on top of the Barnett building in downtown Tampa being used as effigies <laughs> to keep other, you know, they didn't have that. You stick a camera and a microphone in front of Miss Betty from, uh, you know, upstate Maine's uh, that moved here, and she's like, I don't like the guns going off in the background, and I don't like the fact that they're killing these birds and hanging them up in the trees, and uh, it's it's disgusting what they have to do. But you can still have avoided my entire question, yes or no? And yes or no what? Do you want them shooting in your yard? <laughs> yes or no? I mean, you have kids, you're not brave. They're not going to be in your yard. It doesn't matter. In your area, your kids are outside playing, and you what? hear guns in the background. I would be the rational person and ask them what they're doing back there and why they're shooting firearms, and do I have to worry about them hitting my kids? Why don't they just get some fake uh, birds and hang them up? I guess because they have to How have a certain smell. And have to know. You can make pheromones from things. Why can't you make bird pheromones and hit, like he just said, put it on the... Put a fake owl up there. When the right? USDA accepts my application for employment, I will learn these things for you, and I will come back and report them to you. <laughs> <laughs> but in now, the time being, we know it works. That's what the USDA no. recommends, and that's whoa, whoa, whoa. what they're going to do. I, well, how are you going to stop them? They're not going to do anything unless somebody I'm in the confused. association files I'm a confused. lawsuit. Why is the USDA? What is the USDA? United States Department of Agriculture. Okay. Not the Drug Association? No. No. <laughs> so, they, so they deal with these kind of animal issues on the, for the most part. So if it becomes a health hazard... And all the other stuff when you're talking about it's just poop. Well, it's just poop where they shut down Picnic Island and other areas of uh, no, they, Tampa they, Bay they, because they, of fecal runoff. They don't want you swimming there. They didn't shut down Picnic Island. It's you a can... it's a health advice, dude. How many yeah, times a year do they? Stay how many in times? Your house. Have, how many times have they shut down Ben T. Davis <laughs> and all the other stuff because a of lot. the levels? A lot. Dude, stay there's a, in your house. Phil, stay, you stay, stay in your house. Stay in your house. This is a man who's out living out in the and woods right, right now during turkey season. He's got like a condo out in the middle of the woods. Listen, if it's okay to shoot him, just let the residents shoot him. Well, then uh, Mr. and Mrs. New Jersey's not going to do that for him. They don't even own a gun. They don't know how to, and they don't like them. So yes or no? So you let, yes, you let the <laughs> USDA go out and do its business and let her get her done, and we're out of here. We're done. And you know what? After about six months of no more... Uh, Poop, as why, you say, then they're not going to care anymore. Why? Why isn't uh, what's that lady uh, Department of Ag here? Why? Why do we need the federal level involved? Because the people have to listen to the federal level. That's why. Oh, no, they don't. What do you think, Nikki Freed? Uh, yeah, you think she's going to? Why isn't Nikki on this? You think she's going to jump in the front of the forefront of a camera yeah, and say if that it's, it's a, if it's a Department of Agriculture, why wouldn't our Department of Agriculture? You got to remember, involved? she's got she thinks the other way, so she'd probably be on the side of the vultures. Yes, so, yes, know. I think this would be a good standoff. <laughs> why don't we try and get them on and ask what their position is? Sure, why not? Maybe I'll work on that. Well, you know, just in case you were wondering, you know, when you're thinking about what does it have to do with uh, poop and everything else, well, let's just say that there's a deadly parasite out there that can enter your body through your feet and everywhere else like that, you know, because of that kind of stuff and end up killing you. So 
Marriage? Hey, West Chase, if you don't want the problem taken care of, enjoy it. Have fun with your parasitic life. We'll come back from break. It is (laughs) the Big and Wild Outdoors brought to you by Brandon Ford. We'll be right back. Here we go. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Big and Wild Outdoors. Friend again, Ben Snowball, Bill George, and uh, Slick hanging out with you on this beautiful Saturday morning. Going to be a gorgeous day out to go and do whatever it is you want to go do today. Not Seriously. A cloud in the sky. It's going to be nice. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be nice out there. Uh, before the break, we got off on our tangent about West Chase, but I'm sure they'll work it out somewhere in the court systems or wherever it is. But um, uh, it brings up the. You know, the parasitic type thing that these animals bring in and, and things like that over a course of time. Um, when it comes to, I know Bill George is just thinking it's just, you know, it's just poop or whatever it is. But you got to remember those things live on living flesh and carrion and they, they're they not the cleanest of animals. There's not one that you're probably going to go up and pet, you know, on a regular basis. Or a vulture? Anything. Yeah. No. But uh, I was, when I... Got me off on that. I started thinking about I told Bill George, I said, dude, you need to be really careful during the break. I said, you need to be careful to go up in Pennsylvania this year because apparently the ticks are just going ballistic up there in that neck of the woods. Have you heard anything up there from I, locals? I was getting reports from some other people about the ticks up there already this year. And I was talking to some people from West Virginia, and they had they had deer that were just crawling with ticks this last year. Just to the point where you felt sorry for the deer. It, uh, it's gotten to the point now where <clears throat> there was a story that came out this past week where Vermont next year during the hunting season, they're going to issue 100 moose tags uh, this coming fall to reduce the tick problems that they have in the woods. I know that that's up north. I don't know a lot of stuff about what's up north, but what they were talking about is, you, you may know about this, I don't know, but... They were talking about the fact that they have what they call winter ticks. Is there a difference between winter ticks and summer ticks? I don't know what that is. I don't know. I've well, let me ask. Can I ask? A, I mean, I probably don't think it's a stupid question, but how do you? The only way to control ticks are by burns, right? Uh, and hard. I guess even hard freezes have to be a certain right. amount of time uh, that that Bill's reduces like, the oh. number. But now this this story up there was coming out of the Vermont. Uh, fish and game department up there they recommended that the uh 2020 moose season uh be increased in an effort to reduce the impact of winter ticks on the state's moose population i i didn't know there was a difference between winter and summer ticks or whatever but um if someone knows i mean you could educate us 888-404-1010 888-404-1010 if you uh-huh. know but they're saying that the uh, interested hunters will have a chance to at uh, at sixty either sex moose hunting permits and forty antlerless moose permits, uh, according to the agency. Uh, the archery season will run through the month of October, while the regular season will run open will open on the third Saturday in October and run for six consecutive days. That's a pretty short window yeah. to get out there and bust a hundred uh, moose. I don't know how many are up there, but. Um, they were saying that now this is what gets me. Seventy four percent of the state's moose mortalities, uh, they found that 
was related to ticks. And it also led to a vast majority of reduction in birth rates. And according, researchers concluded that without the ticks, over 90% of winter calves would have survived. Winter ticks are hardy, and once attached, their prey uh, will be left open and poor physical condition. Animals that ticks prey on are better have better grooming methods, which means that the moose, according to the experts, do not have the same grooming techniques, I guess, when it comes to their bodies because they did not evolve with external parasites like ticks. And they said that they have found moose up there this past season that have passed away. You know how big a moose is? I mean, they are yeah. horses with antlers, if not bigger. A single moose can carry as many as 90,000 ticks on their body. But what happens when you kill an animal? They leave. And where the do they ticks go? ticks leave. Where do they go? They go to back in the, the woods or thing, on you. The next thing they can attach to. The next warm body. But they were saying that uh, that the animals that you said that, like you spoke of, they have found moose that have been so reduced by the ticks sucking so much blood out of them that they don't make it through wintertime. They won't make it. They're so weak by the end of it. Do you know how many friggin' ticks it must take to cover a moose to make it weak? I mean, they are huge animals. That's why they see hunters like, oh, dear God, shoot me. I've got ex-girlfriends that are pretty good at that, so maybe they're just giving tips out. <laughs> I, I don't stupid. know, but, uh, I mean, <laughs> I would think that... Not that I don't uh, say, hey, you know, a hundred extra choices to get some moose out there, but th do they not burn and stuff up there in that neck of the woods? Apparently I mean, they uh, don't. The north does not burn. They, they should. Don't? Oh, they, no. They don't burn? Oh, no. I thought the Algonquins and everybody else up there used to do that. They used to burn the woods when they had elk and stuff up there. I guess they've gotten away from that practice. On the phones, we got Mike. He's calling in. Uh, he wants oh. to talk about ticks. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Um, I'm pretty good. Yeah, I, I've never been. I, I've never been out of state hunting, but this past weekend I was uh, up in North Central near Chieflin, and uh, winter ticks. These things are small as uh, pepper flakes. You know, black pepper. Right. And uh, boy, the guys went out crawling around in the bushes looking for turkey. They they shot a couple. Right, but um, they came back, and we wouldn't. My wife and I, and a couple of our small um, here, here in the background, uh -huh. <laughs> a couple of small dogs. They came back with a handful of the. I mean, I swear they were as small as pepper flakes, now, black pepper. All right, now, um, were they? Are you sure they were ticks, and they just weren't a bunch of chiggers or something on there? I mean, these were tick ticks. These were tick ticks. Yeah. Uh, there was actually one that you know actually got a good blood meal and swelled up a little bit but you know it was a couple of days later that i actually had one down in my damn belly button and it, oh. that, i thought tiggers fly no <laughs> i mean now, now i know that uh you know when our buddy glenn used to go up to illinois he would they call them up there turkey turkey ticks or uh, something like that they're little teeny tiny little teeny tiny mites or baby ticks i don't know but he would say uh, they would come back and they'd be covered in them, and it was Oof. it was cold up there. Uh, I mean, they yeah, got... and they're they're it's an, kind of an unfortunate thing. We we had actually um, no seams up there, and I know no seams because I worked out in the swampy edge of Pinellas County for a long time, right? And I know what a no seam looks like, and I can feel their bite, and I got welts all over me. 
but um, we these were actually ticks because they were latched yeah. on and and sucking. But I, I I don't know that you call them winter ticks. I think yeah. that they're just sitting there dormant, hiding and waiting, smelling carbon, you know, yeah. smelling the the excellent the the carbon dioxide. Well, in the, the heat, your like, heat. Oh, meal. The heat, the heat of your body. I remember uh, I killed an eight yep. point one time and left the head in the in a cooler with some ice and stuff and uh, went out the next day to check on it in the garage and at the tip of every single antler was about yep. six ticks and uh, yep. they were just sitting there and when I would take my hand and kind of wave it over them, their two little front legs would, with the hooks on them would just be out like grabbing like a kid trying to grab onto me and I was like I was like, ah, oh, you greedy little suckers, man. You know what? Put that sucker in a bag, put him in the deep freezer, froze their butts for about a month, and then I took it over the taxidermist. I mean, I yeah, couldn't imagine. And that's the and that's one of the kickers that normally in the lifestyle cycle of ticks, they, um, you know, mom and daddy ticks, they do whatever, whatever they do, and they have baby ticks, and they crawl <laughs> up in the trees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They walk underneath. You walk underneath of them, or as a, a deer or a moose or, or or whatever walks underneath of that tree. They have those sensors that that tick on to the heat. They drop out of the trees. It's like um, hellfire out of the damn sky. Well, like yeah, great. <laughs> like well, I, like the 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 golden eagles or what, golden whatever. knights. Uh, yeah, dropping out of the sky. <laughs> It's like, yeah. <laughs> Shoots away. Well, I, I, I just did. I just didn't know if it, up north uh, there was a particular type of you know winter tick that uh, uh, survives through the winter. But I guess it, you know if you're attached to a, a seventeen hundred pound animal, it's underneath the fur. It's probably quite warm underneath there. You can make it through winter time. Right. Yeah. So well, that and you get a belly. Yeah, and and you get a belly full of um, uh, you get your blood meal. Sure, yeah, and then you know you drop off, and because of their they don't they're not um, mammalian like we are. They aren't mammals. They they can live in just under the freezing temperature and still survive. Yeah, they pop out and they sprout and say crawl upward, crawl upward, look for heat as part of their genetic nature. And I, <laughs> it's like, oh, that's a moose. Well, I can <laughs> tell you. Or whatever it is. Moose, human. I can tell you, Whatever Mike, it is. Crawling around in here, and we have to survive. We must survive. We are ticks. <laughs> Mike, I, I can tell you I've rubbed up against bushes and gotten hundreds of seed ticks or little itty bee ticks like you described. But you can also, I've sat on the forest floor and watched a tick moving from about five foot away, coming leaf by leaf, going down yep. and up, coming to me. But one of the things they do yep. do is they come to the carbon dioxide. And one of the things yep. the, the biologists will do in a study is they have like a sombrero-looking thing where they put oil in it and put dry ice in the middle. And that carbon dioxide it releases brings the ticks, and they get trapped in the oil, and then they come and see what type of ticks got attracted. For real? That's how they yeah. do it? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Well, wow. There, we, we, we of us who have very good glasses study things deeply. Yes. <laughs> I just think that they ought to get on the burn schedule and uh, 
uh, do, it the, do it the right way and uh, torch them bad boys, man. I mean, that's that's how you do I it. I mean, uh, nothing beats uh, fire when it comes to clearing. <laughs> well, Mike, we appreciate the call, man. Thanks for listening. Do-do. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. Uh, get out there and enjoy this beautiful weather we got today on Saturday. All right. Yes, I will. All right, brother. See Thanks that. for the call. We appreciate it. Well, that was TikTok. <laughs> I see what you did there. TikTok. Look at Braden bringing it yeah, in. Yeah, but I make a girlfriend joke and I get like yeah, nothing. Well, yeah, well, they're. <laughs> It's Braden, uh, it's Braden and TikTok, man. Come on. I, Come I, on. I had a retort to that, but I didn't want to get in trouble. All right, we're going to take a break. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors. We're brought to you by Brandon Ford. We'll be right back. Okay, sure. All right, welcome back, everybody. It's a big and wild outdoors. It's going to be a beautiful day out there. Have fun. Be careful. Be safe. Uh, it's going to be around uh, 75, 74 over here in the Pinellas County side. A little warmer in the interior, of course, as always. And if you're going to be heading out to Airfest today, it's going to be uh, it's going to be beautiful. It'll be nice. It'll be a nice slight breeze, and uh, just be aware that it's going to be warm out there on the tarmac and. I want to reiterate the fact that the according to the Airfest website, you can uh, you should show up with sunglasses, plenty of sunscreen, hearing protection, hats, uh, credit cards, mobile payment, cash. There are ATMs available. Uh, bring some empty water bottles or bottles to fill with chilled water. You can bring folding chairs, backpack style, and uh, something for the kids to do, snacks and all that stuff for the ride home, because as they will say, you are going to be in traffic uh, for a while, getting in or getting out. So just be careful and enjoy the day. Uh, last week, we talked about a gentleman who took it upon himself to take his Boston Whaler, which I think was borrowed, wasn't it? Or stolen, it stolen, one of the two words that they were real- used. Wasn't it allowed to really use the boat? And uh, <laughs> apparently rammed another boat and then uh, boarded said vessel and got in a tussle with another individual who fell overboard with the individual and ended up being uh, arrested. Mr. Uh, Blair Blair Houston uh, was arrested and uh, taken into custody uh, for a various amount of charges. Well, as we like to say, there are two sides to every story. <clears throat> and, of course, now Mr. Blair uh, Houston is, uh, I guess, out of the Hooskow. And speaking to uh, News Channel 8, he reiterated the fact that he said he was captured on camera ramming his boat into another on the uh, bay next to a Clearwater Beach. But he told uh, News Channel 8 that uh, he was the victim. Get the... The arrest affidavit. out of here. The arrest affidavit. 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 Put it out there, buddy. Yeah. Uh, said that Mr. Houston on uh, March 16th forcefully jumped onto a victim's boat without consent from the occupants and battered the victim. The video only showed the boats clashing, but did not capture the boarding or assault. Uh, Mr. Houston claims that he was chasing the men because they had been staying on one of his boats moored in the bay and had trashed it, and he wanted them to come back and clean up their mess. So you hit them with a boat? They were trying to escape, right? They were running away, said Houston, so I just wanted to get alongside them 
and the little kid was popping out with his cell phone and filming me. Uh, when police arrived, Houston believed officers convinced the men to turn on him to save themselves a trip to jail. Uh, somebody's going to jail. You know how they get it. Somebody's going to go to jail, said Houston. I know the cops are going to be, uh, uh, I know the cops, and it's going to be you guys or it's going to be someone else. Well, police arrested Houston and charged him with battery and burglary. He says uh, he'd never been arrested before. So there are two sides to the story. Yeah, his, his, theirs, and the truth. So what's the truth? Well, I guess they'll hash that out in court because uh, the police chief up there and others had said that uh, they may have been, not that I'm taking the guy's side, but they said they might have been targeting Mr. Houston uh, because he had several boats that have been moored in those areas. And what have they been doing lately? They've been going and trashing boats. Well, and they pulling boats and pulling boats and, and trying to get these people to force their boats and make them move. Well, sending a message by putting him in jail would probably be a pretty, uh, pretty weighty message, don't you think? Uh, yeah. So that's the way he's going to play it is they're trying to remove him and make his life miserable so that he has to move his boats and do all that stuff. But now if he did say lease or rent the boat or whatever and these guys did trash it and do all that stuff, then he may have a legitimate well, argument. My curious question would be, are these boats actually – Livable boats? Are they movable boats, or are they like garbage boats? Uh, apparently, they've been moored there for some time, and even residents have said that when this was this investigation is ongoing, they said those boats are there literally months at a time. And if he's renting them out, or there are people staying on them, where is all that sewage and stuff going? Yeah, it's, well, he's air. What he's doing is Airbnb in the boats. That's what he's doing, probably. So where is the garbage? Where is the sewage? Because they're saying I never see those bo- those boats move to be pumped out or any of that other stuff. Oh, you know so, it's going right in the water. I'm not going to accuse anybody of that, but uh, you can assume that if yeah. the boats haven't been moved they're in not, months, and uh, of uh, uh, you're not going to the pump out stations to do what you're supposed to do. Well, that's a problem. It is a problem. That is a problem, especially if you live along the waterfront there yes. and you uh, see stuff floating by and you go oh i wonder where that came from look kids it's a turtle yeah there's four or five boats have been out there and all of a sudden (laughs) these turtles keep uh, popping up all over the place around the dock that's just nuts so it's an ongoing saga and i just wanted to give the guy you know equal time on this because there are two sides to every story okay so you know we've got one we got one side of it, and now we got the other side. i'm very curious to see how this is going to play out because if he does have nuisance boats and now they're Forcing him because of this incident, he could have a suit for something else. Yeah, I mean, it'll get hashed out. They, they've been working to try and get people who are doing that type of stuff, living on boats and that. They're trying. People don't like them in the community. They think it's their waterway to look at. But wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, but, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Uh, Didn't you say earlier that it's your waterway? No, no, no. It's I'm his saying, waterway, no, too. I'm no, saying he's saying that people owners, think that way. The people on land don't know, like looking out and seeing a boat, just like some homeowners <laughs> don't look at, like looking out and seeing somebody fishing for fish under their dock. Yeah, okay? you, hear, you hear his voice changing? Yeah. But, rattled his well, cage. I, gave, I gave you an opportunity to go, but... Uh, FWC, you know, they've been pushing uh, regulations on how your boat has to be able to be moved. You can declare a boat derelict by not being able to pass a certain driving test. That's true. But I will tell you, 
if you challenge any cruise ship to pass the FWC driving test, they would be determined <laughs> derelict. <laughs> they would they because pass. you can't move a vessel sometimes within that amount of time. That's a whole different license that you actually have to go to school for. Yeah, yes. but okay. now I will. But say I'm just saying that the test they use is all subjective. To you have to be able to go so far and then return back and prove that. Yes. And, and how many how many how many fresh barges boaters? would pass that test? None. Actually, because, a lot. No, because the you barge have to have has a, you to have to have, have, to have that special license to drive a barge too. Yeah, yeah but the thing is, the point he's making is that those barges cannot be maneuvered on without, their own. On their own Without a certain but vessel, without something attached to again, them and lines and all these other things. But so, this goes towards Vince's point that you have to have a special license already to drive those ding, style ding, of boats. Ding, 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 but they're not driving them. They're just <laughs> no. They're they not are driving, driving them. them. They're, they're just not, not driving them. They are driving them. They're not driving them when they're coming into like, uh, what do you call it? Like uh, if they're coming into dock, you have tugboats that that's their job. Which guess what? Tugboats have to have a certain license. When you're out there on the open water, those barges do, they are pilots. They have to have captain's license. They have to have so many hours of experience uh, in stuff that's They're been signed off. But you're, you're talking about apples and, and grapes because but, these boats, no, so, you got to remember, these boats have, as I pointed out, been sitting out there long enough to where you have barnacles that are six inches thick on the hulls. And that's I mean, a nuisance boat. They're sitting there, yeah, and they're, yeah, there may be boat. some dude living on it. There may be uh, Airbnb in it. I have no idea. But... As Bill George pointed out, if the Coast Guard or FWC come out and said, I need you to move this, I need you to moor this, I need you to do that, and they go, well, dude, I can't do this right now. i got to scrape the bottoms out of the rudder. I can't even move the rudder and all these other things. And uh, my sails got torn up in the last storm or my engine doesn't work. Then they can do work to go through and declare it derelict. Yeah. i got a quick fix for that. Just a little bit of gasoline and an increase on your (laughs) insurance. (laughs) But we turned around. We didn't like people docked up all over the place. So certain areas declared mooring areas where they wanted all the people to go and moor in these areas. Now we don't like the fact that they're all mooring in these areas, and now we're trying to eliminate them all together. Well, I, I thought the FWC said that uh, you were allowed to moor, but it had to be moved after a certain amount of time. I mean, I think you could be there like a month, and then you have to move. I mean, it doesn't mean you... You don't have to move like 40 feet. I mean, you could pull the anchor up and drift uh, 50, 60 yards and throw the anchor back out. I moved. That's that's all I got to do. I moved. And, uh, you know, you can move your butt up or down the intercoastal doing that way. You don't have to be in the same yeah, but spot. It's, but it's you're moving. Of, yeah, you gotta, but you got to have them move a decent amount because there's only – you can technically be considered moving – by just drift there's enough drift around on an anchor to consider moving like how what's movement to say that you're not derelict that's what i mean i I don't know if it's been defined as it has to be moved uh you know at least 500 yards or four miles or you know it does doesn't really say but anyway i know that they're working on that and i think this guy's working the the system to say that either he's being harassed so that he'd be forced to move obviously the guy has more than one boat out there He, he admitted that he has boats out there so he may have one or two, and I don't even think of that. I, I, that's he might be Airbnb in it and renting them out yeah. for the weekend, and um, you know, and the guys trash it, and he's like, no, 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 you guys aren't leaving. You need to uh, come clean this. <laughs> he's back the guy up. goes, oh, that boat's been abandoned. 
I'm taking that butt over. Yeah, but I, I don't <laughs> I'm know how to clean it up in Airbnb. It still doesn't explain why he was in a whaler that somebody else owned. Gonna I don't. I don't drop, know what that is. Going to drop you off, and I'll be back to pick you up tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, let, speaking of lawsuits, I know that uh, Steve had mentioned our good friend Steve Austin had mentioned that. Uh, perhaps he'd like to go out to California and do one of those wine and hunt things. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. And, that was, that'd be cool, actually, to do. Oh, well, uh, uh, just be careful when you go, because there's a woman who has been who's uh, sued for injuries, thing that she received after was allegedly invited by an employee to pet an Asian water buffalo at Malibu <laughs> Wines. Now that, as a human being, me, you, I don't know, we all live different lives. But if I get invited to go and pet a water buffalo, growing up in the country, I'm going to have to go, yeah, that's all right. I'm good. He better have his neck in his I'm, I'm good. I'm Why would you even... want to do that? Just like when you asked me what I would do about the black vultures, if you have never seen one and you're from, uh, you know, somewhere up in the New Jersey wilds or whatever it is. Right, and, right. And you didn't grow up in the country where, you know, old Farmer Johnson goes, no, nah, you can go ahead and cut across that field. Don't worry about that Brahma bull. He's a, he's, he's a kitty cat. Don't worry about it. He'll be fine. He is with you. But, you know, me, Henry, and Laddie trying to scooch across there with our fishing poles. He looks at us and goes, fresh meat in the field, boy. Yeah, he came and, on. You know, and he and now Farmer John's over there going, I don't understand. I raised him from a little bitty calf. He's always been just like a gentle as a baby. I don't know why he crushed two of you to death. I just don't know. So uh, as a country kid, I'd be like, ah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, I've, yeah, those, yeah, that's pretty interesting. But as part of the wine safari tour, guests were transported to a location where many animals were being maintained in addition to the water buffalo. They had zebras and llamas and emus. Other birds, which is all cool to see. The tour guide uh, talked about the water buffalo and and the hair, how wiry it is, and you know it's not like you know the hair on your head and all that kind of good stuff. And so this young lady, Mrs. Fee, uh, said, uh, "Can we touch?" He said, "Sure, come on over. You can you can pet the animals. No big deal." And when she tried to do so, the animal suddenly rammed the plaintiff. Ooh. Let's just call her the plaintiff. Um, <laughs> With its head pushing its horns through a single fence, locking horns with the plaintiff's chest, and the water buffalo's horns pierced uh, the young lady's shirt and lacerated her chest while simultaneously pinning her between the fence and a metal pole as the buffalo continued to try to remove itself and its horns from her T-shirt, shaking side to side, you know, and these kinds of things like that where the buffalo was ultimately able to tear through the young lady's shirt and remove its horns, causing the plaintiff to fall to the ground in pain and shock. And uh, I just wanted to... called a wild animal for a reason. I just wanted to go on record as saying, if you're not raised on a farm and you haven't had to outrun a Brahma bull or an angry uh, heifer of some kind or even a jersey... If some guy goes, no, it's okay, just to pet that water buffalo, go right ahead. My suggestion would be, nah, it's all right, I'll just get a picture of it and we'll just move Keep on. all rolling. It's all good. Wow. <laughs> it is the Big and Wild Outdoors. We're brought to you by Brandon Ford. We're going to take a break. <laughs> Having fun. We'll be right back. All right, here we go. Big and Wild Outdoors. 
break again. Vince Noble, Bill George, and Slick hanging out on this beautiful Saturday morning. Thank you so much for joining us. We do appreciate it. I know we got a lot of new listeners that are out there, and we do appreciate you tuning in. Spread the word. Tell everybody how bad the show is. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you want to do, it's all good. Uh, before we went to the uh, break, I was on my little news roll. I did want to say this because I know that Bill George has been living out of turkey camp for the past week, and then, of course, as a lot of our listeners know, you were out in Hawaii before that doing your uh, turkey thing. But uh, Kim Reynolds, uh, she's the governor of Iowa. She just recently signed legislation to permit the use of 410s and 28 gauges on turkeys throughout the state. So they've finally joined the 22nd why, why century. Wow, 410s. <laughs> this brings Iowa in line with 41 other states. And uh, we do have to say... It was because of the hard work of the hunters and uh, other groups that were out there that were pushing for this legislation, and it was part of the Open for Business package that South Dakota Governor uh, Christy Noem uh, signed on this past Tuesday, signing a bill also, um, um, I'm sorry, that's a different story, but yeah, this one here, Iowa. yeah, in Iowa, uh, being able to use 410 and 28 gauge. Now, well, I don't know if 28 gauge is very popular here in the South not. to use, but 410 has become the go-to well, across the state of Florida. The the thing that a lot of people are turning to is they they're using these 410s with the TSS, right? And it's equivalent to like a 20 gauge, but you're running around the woods with you know a very light portable. Easy to maneuver gun, super light, and those Rossies and those things yeah. like that. I mean, I don't even think they weigh three pounds. I mean, they're yeah. they're super light. Now I know people up in PA, and they've gotten very dedicated guns that that are high end guns made just for shooting that TSS out of you know at turkeys, and they're 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 doing great. Well, so. the longest shot that we've got, uh, I think you were on vacation, but. Had a guy come in and his wife had shot one 70 yards with her 410 with TSS load. 70 yards, that's, bro. That's pushing it. It is pushing it, but it dropped him like a hammer, he said. He yeah. said, dude, it literally knocked him boom, bang, flappity, flap, flap, and the, that was all the, she wrote. The past five before that, they they kind of just stumbled and ran off. <laughs> I'll tell you what, yeah, we're, you guys are talking out west and guns. I'm kind of getting excited because you know what happens in two days? Two days. You're not going to hear from myself or Steve Austin because our favorite show's back. What Yellowstone, man? Oh, come uh, on! Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't watch it. I'm oh. I, don't, don't they just really? trickle those out like once a week? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so why, why? Because I'm gonna binge watch the first three seasons. I guess. <laughs> okay. Well, but, you know, speaking out west, that goes into the story I was going to tell you about South Dakota. Uh, the Republican governor out there, uh, Christy Nome, she uh, signed the uh, bill zeroing out all the fees for concealed permits in the state. It will cost you uh, nothing to exercise your Second Amendment rights in South Dakota. Uh, and I, I don't know how this worked. I'm not from there. But since 2021, South Dakota has offered residents a series of three different five-year carry permits. You have the $10 standard, the $40 gold, and the $60 enhanced. I, I don't know what that means, but uh, these prices were dropped from 2015, which topped out at 100 But with this new one now... Um, 
they're going to zero out all the application fees and everything else and all that stuff, so it won't cost you anything for a concealed weapons permit there. If you go to Hawaii, they want you to register your gun when you get there, and they charge you $40 for that, only if you're going to stay oh, wow. more than five days. But if you're a... If you're an alien and you're there hunting for less than 90 days, then you don't have to. Uh, give me a break. Me a break. <laughs> Just, I'm going turkey hunting. It's well, part of the continental United States. I know it's an island, but you would think that they would listen, be a little more. They're, um, they're a little jacked up over there. You guys, but, hold on, though. You've been talking hunting and turkeys and stuff, man. You went to Hawaii. Did you go fishing? Oh, you I, did I, go fishing. I did. I did. I I've been dying to hear about it. I, I, I saw around. some pictures of it, but not very many. No, no, because... Uh, a friend, we had uh, he had already killed his three turkeys. He, we said, hey, why don't you set up a fishing trip? And it's like, okay. So he set up a fishing trip. Here's how much it's going to be. Four hours, okay. We go down to the dock, Kona. We go out of Kona, on the Big Island, and we get there. And <laughs> turns out, he set up a marlin fishing trip. That would be kind of cool, though. Oh, it'd be kind of cool to see. A marlin, but if you've ever fished for marlin, it's not like fast action. It's no, not it's, like you know, it's trolling. Everybody's catching a couple type like thing. <laughs> One on, take the hook off, throw him you, back you, in. It's not like brim fishing. I got it. As soon as we got out of the marina, they start running the planer boards out and start dragging <laughs> plugs and setting plugs out there, and we did that for four hours, and at one point. The, I guess the marlin target around a particular buoy. And so there was our boat and another boat just zigzagging around a buoy. Oh, sure. And it's like, how boring is this? I am not a marlin fisherman. Give me a lead weight. Let me put it down. <laughs> Let me catch something. A catfish. Grunt, anything, yeah. I don't care. I got you. Yeah. But uh, that does take some patience, and it also takes a lot of expertise. That's but, a lot of fuel. Uh, it, that is a ton of fuel it, to to get out there and just because that motor runs. Well, you don't have to go time. very far. Uh, like a mile out, you're in fourteen hundred feet of water, yeah. and then you go a little bit further, and you're like three thousand feet of water. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm. I mean. I'm, I don't know. That's specialty fishing. Uh, you know, that's a targeted thing where you got to get out there and work your butt off for that. And, and the thing is, it, there's when we would talk to some of the locals, they're like, "Yeah, we can. My my buddy will take you out and and we'll catch mahi mahi and there there's a lot of fish and I'd rather do that than the marlin to be all honest day with you. long. Yeah, but important lesson. Make sure whoever sets it up asks a few questions other than, <laughs> hey, let's go fishing, you know? <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I, I'm, those big charter boats like that, they're so used to uh, so many tourists and stuff like that. I think for a lot of people that don't want to fish, it's the boat ride that they're more interested in and they, riding they around. They take a catamaran the out and go but on But it's that. a big yacht. I mean, what were you on? It was we a, were on a 30, pretty, pretty good-sized boat, but... I found a nice shady spot on a. I had a great big cushion bed type like thing out there. Goodbye. I I slept for about two hours of the four hours. How do I know? And I and that, but that's when I'm turkey hunting. I'm all in. Okay. Right. So. Well, because you're keeping your mind active, because that could have anything can happen at any moment when you turkey hunt. So so I turned around. It was the first time I had actually taken a break, relaxed, chilled. 
with Marlins, you got to put out teasers, you got to put out planners, oh. you got to put out things. They see it in the lineup. He might be coming. He's coming. He's getting pulling the, you know, pulling the teasers. Blah blah blah. Get the bait out and yada yada yada. You know. Oh yeah. It's a different process. Uh, I understand. I think that for the uh, big old, I don't know how many people were on your boat. How many people went on this we trip? We took five. Five people. Five so was the mate and the captain. So out of that five people, two people maybe wanted to fish. The rest wanted to go on a boat ride. So uh, that's no, what they we do. all wanted to go fish and catch fish. <laughs> Bill wanted some mahi to go with that turkey. Yeah, and we were all worried <laughs> about okay, now we catch a bunch of fish and how are we going to deal with getting the fish back and what are we going to do with all our fish? And then it was like, oh, we're fishing for marlin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I know those sarns aren't cheap. But, I, I know that. But there they do eat it. They of do course eat the they do. There. Yeah, of course. Why not? So when they dot, Bill grabbed the zip code and stood on the dock. Listen. Exactly. <laughs> Caught more fish uh, at the fish cleaning station than anywhere else. I, I went on one uh, with uh, some radio people when we went to the Bahamas. We were there at the whatever that, what is that big place there, Paradise? Atlantis. Atlantis. Yeah, we were there, and uh, they all got together and rented a big boat to go out and go fishing for the day, and uh, it was trolling, and no one seemed to know what we were fishing for. There was no bottom fishing. It was moving the whole time, and I think we caught... Maybe three or four barracudas, and they weren't really, you know, monsters or anything. And uh, uh, one horse-eyed jack, which I'd never seen before in my which life. Which are very cool. And um, uh, But anything else? But it was the same thing. It was four hours of riding around, doing nothing but waiting for somebody to go. Reel that in. Fish on. Go ahead. Somebody get on it. And everybody's like, who, who, who's turning? Who wants Who wants to do it? Who wants to reel it? You go. You go. You go. You know, so it's like. Somebody better go. <laughs> so you got in, you reel it in. Oh, it's a barracuda. Okay, yeah, you know, uh, do you want to keep it? No, yeah, psh, boom, throw it over. And, you know, it was about all she wrote. And I said, that was the longest four-hour boat ride <laughs> for, for nothing in my life. Seriously, I mean, if you're going to go out on a Hubbard or a Double Eagle or something like that, at least you know in four hours, you're going to catch something, you're bro. You're going to catch something. I'm, at least I'm going to have a rod in my hand. Exactly. All right, well, go out and enjoy this great and beautiful weekend and this week. It's going to be a nice one. Uh, Thank you, guys. Welcome back, Bill George. We're happy to have you back. Yes, sir. Safe and sound. I know you're going to be heading back out to turkey camp, so good luck this week. Next weekend, the Fishing Derby, FWP Fishing Derby, and Trinity Sportsman's Clay Shoot. All right, see you guys. Have fun. It's a great weekend. Bye.